Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 118 called Lindsay. Today's episode is sponsored by Mira. So how does Mira help to track ovulation? Unlike other fertility trackers, Mira measures actual fertility hormone concentrations with 99% accuracy. By tracking your unique hormone levels throughout your cycle, Mira learns your cycle to personalize your ovulation prediction. And because Mira analyzes your actual hormone levels, it gives accurate insights on fertile windows for those with irregular cycles and PCOS. The Mira app synchronizes automatically and eliminates manual charting. In addition to LH and estrogen hormones, Mira is the next step in women's health tracking and analysis. Designed to be expandable, the Mira system will offer more at-home health tracking in the future. Mira will measure multiple women's hormones, such as progesterone, FSH, and HCG, all with the current analyzer. Mira will help you achieve your fertility goals, regardless if that means trying to conceive, learning your cycles, or trying to avoid. Here's your special offer. Order the Mira Starter Kit or the Mira Plus Starter Kit online at miracare.com. That's M-I-R-A-C-A-R-E.com with promo code Ali, A-L-I, and get $25 off. The Mira Fertility Analyzer and app takes the guesswork and stress out of ovulation tracking. Don't forget to order today. Again, that's promo code Ali, A-L-I, for $25 off. Thanks, Mira. Guys, I want to tell you all about Green Chef, the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy and affordable with plans that fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. I can vouch that Green Chef is easy and delicious. This afternoon, I made a recipe called Veggie and Bean Stuffed Peppers. Everything came portioned in the box. The instructions were super easy to follow. And 30 minutes later, I was eating a really yummy, low-carb, plant-based meal. And I also had leftovers. So guys, give it a try. Go to greenchef.com slash 90infertileaf and use code 90infertileaf to get $90 off, including free shipping. Again, that's greenchef.com backslash 90infertileaf and use code 90infertileaf to get $90 off, including free shipping. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Thanks, Green Chef. All right, friends. So today's episode is with the incredible Lindsay Halliday, who is sharing her story about the infertility journey that she and her partner, B, who is transgender, are currently going through. They've been married for 10 years, since 2010, and in 2016, B came out to Lindsay, as Lindsay says, kind of out of nowhere. So we're going to talk about what one can do when a loved one comes out as trans, And then we'll talk about B deciding to freeze their sperm, what happened when they started doing IVF, and where they are now. Like all of our stories, it's got a lot of ups and downs. And I just want to say that I'm so glad that we're talking about fertility, preservation, and treatments for people who are transgender and couples. So if you know anybody going through this, I know there are not a ton of resources out there. Please pass this podcast along or have them reach out to me or have them reach out to Lindsay. Let's keep these really important conversations going. So thank you to Lindsay and thank you to B. And without further ado, this is Lindsay's infertility story. Lindsay, it's so good to talk to you. Hey. <laughs> hey, I've been following you on Instagram for a while. I think we've followed each other, but we've never talked. So this yeah, is very cool. Yeah, it's kind of fangirling on my end. Gotta oh, be God. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Um, but thank you. So yeah, I know you, you said that you do listen to the podcast, which I love, and I'm glad that it's helped you. But let's start with your story. Tell me about growing up and, you know, <clears throat> did you always want to have kids? Yeah. I mean, ever since I knew what having kids was, I, I knew that that's something that I wanted. I was like, (laughs) 
I was the little girl that like played house and stuffed a pillow up her shirt, you know? You did. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's always, it's just always been something that I knew that I would want, but mm-hmm. there's also this kind of like, I don't know why. And I didn't know when, but as, as soon as I knew what that a thing existed about having trouble, you know, actually having children, I had just had this feeling that that was going to be me. Really? I, I, I didn't know if, you know, it was going to be my partner or anything like that. I just had this feeling that it was not going to be like an easily achievable thing. And B will tell you <laughs> that I just worry about everything anyway. And mm-hmm. so of course, every once in a while, if I worry about everything, I'm going to be right about one of the things that I'm worrying about. So <laughs> <laughs> they don't think that it's any sort of intuition, just that I was already worrying about it. So gotcha. Um, so tell me about meeting your partner. Okay. So <laughs> B is my spouse. We have been married. We celebrated 10 years, 10 year wedding anniversary. And uh-huh. uh, in October, 2020. Mm-hmm. So we met because I guess it was back in 2007. My best friend and I, we had a band at the time and we were looking for a bass player. And so I uh, put an ad on Craigslist looking for a bass player. Okay. And what did you do in the band? <laughs> I uh, played acoustic guitar. Cool. Like we just kind of uh, both played guitar and, you know, sang, and we were trying to get a full band together and mm-hmm. um, we had a drummer, but we needed a bass player. And mm-hmm. so I posted an ad looking for a bass player and B answered. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about getting together to like, you know, do a sort of like audition kind of a thing. And for some reason it just never happened. And B ended up going with another band, mm. <laughs> but we ended up, I guess like Raleigh's music scene isn't huge. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's great. It's big. Mm-hmm. Nobody so in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, Raleigh, North Carolina. So um, we like both of us being in the music scene. Just kind of like we started seeing each other out, and we started going to each other's band shows, and we were friends for about a year before mm-hmm. B finally asked me out. And I say finally because we probably liked each other for that entire year, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're both kind of like too timid to actually you know, get anything started, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's how we met. And so, yeah, we just started going to each other's shows and hanging out with mutual friends and then finally became an actual thing. (laughs) Okay. So when did you get married? We got married. And how was the wedding? Oh my gosh. I I bet there was good music, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there was. I mean, of course I, I had to sing a song for B and like, we had a bunch of musician, our musician friends there and everything, but like we got married in October, 2010. So tell me about <laughs> when did you start talking about having a family? All right. Well, B always knew that it's something that I wanted and they were kind of like doing it just for me at mm. the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like they back then actively did not want children or a Mm -hmm. child. They were like, Mm -hmm. but I love you. I want to be with you. So I'm going to do this for you. And I was like, I was always worried that that was going to, I was like, how, how can this possibly Mm -hmm. (laughs) we, and we would fight about it. And that was like the only, not like explosive fights, but like, it was like kind of the only thing that we were like, not on the same page on Mm -hmm. was, was that because, and I didn't find out until much later about why it was in June, 2016, when kind of everything started happening at once Mm -hmm. and by everything, I guess I should say that uh, a big reason, probably the biggest reason that we are, you know, where we are right now and having to do IVF is because B, my spouse is transgender Mm -hmm. and uh, they're non-binary. They, them pronouns. Yeah. Um, I was going to say you said they, and I wanted you to, for people that don't know, I mean, I know your story, but I was going to ask you to clarify, but you did. So there you (laughs) go. So, yeah. And no, um, they were not out when we got married. Okay. So yeah, it was about, it was June, 2016 when all of the things started happening. So Mm -hmm. that was when B came out to me first. Mm -hmm. And that whole time was, uh, that year, the rest of that year, 2016 was really hard. What did B Uh, say to you or how did B come out? (sighs) Okay. So they had been acting 
like I knew something was wrong, but like, and like bees kind of, and, and they're very open about this too, mm-hmm. always kind of struggled with depression. And, you know, um, so it, at first it just seemed like another, like kind of down time, you know, like a low time that happens mm-hmm. sometimes, um, sure. but it was, but something was different. I just knew, I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was starting to have this, I'm, I'm ready now. Like, <laughs> you right. know, like I just, I was like, I, I, I have to bring it up. I have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But when I kept asking them if anything was wrong and they're like, I don't know if anything's wrong. I do need to talk to you about something. I'm just not ready yet. And it's, so it's like, when you hear that, it's like, well, no, you can't. <laughs> Right. You can't what do you mean? That. Exactly. <laughs> like, so of course, you know, I'm just sitting here like, what the fuck could possibly be going on? And I'm getting scared. Did you have any indication? No. Okay. N- like none. Mm-hmm. Like people say like when, uh, you know, when you hear about, you know, for the first time about that you're diagnosed, like some sort of diagnosis with infertility, like this bomb is dropped on them. And mm-hmm. that kind of felt similar to that. Okay. It was just out of nowhere. I mean, when I look back, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> what What do you look back and notice now? Oh gosh. Certain just, oh gosh, it's even hard to explain. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is, has to do with, I'll, I'll get into it later, but about, you know, not wanting kids from the mm-hmm. beginning. Okay. So one day we're just kind of going for a walk and I was like, you know, we just kind of sat down and you know, on a bench in the park. And I'm just like, I just kind of let it fall out. I was like, I, I am like, I think, I think I'm ready to like, finally talk about, like, we need to talk about having, you know, a child. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I can't remember how old I was in that year coming up on 35, you know, and that's the magic Right. The magic number. Yeah. And when I said that was when it just kind of fell out for B mm-hmm. and they were just like, and they just, and it's so funny. I can't remember the exact words they said. I just mm-hmm. remember that they were telling me that they were transgender. Okay. And they did not know this all their life. They were just starting to realize some of these things. And um, I guess the the reason why, like a lot, it's, it's different for every trans person. Like every sure. trans person's story is unique and how they knew is always, you know, unique. But for B, they say it was, uh, I guess, a little bit harder for them to realize exactly what was going on because like the word non-binary and what non-binary is wasn't really, you know, something that was even in their mm-hmm. vocabulary for yeah. many, many years. And they didn't feel like they knew they didn't feel like a woman, but they also knew that they weren't a man. So there was a lot of like, and then, yeah, that was the bomb. The bomb dropped. (laughs) Whoa. And then your world totally changes from that minute on, right? It really does. And like, it's, it's a scary, scary thing Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of uncertainty and there's, I got to say, there's a lot of resources out there for a lot of things that you can go through for like a loved one, you know, who comes out as trans. There's a lot of resources out there, but not for if it's your partner. Hmm, interesting. There's not a lot of like, and the way that I am is <laughs> when I'm going through something huge, I need to talk about it. And Same. I need- Need Clearly, here we are. <laughs> and I need to talk about it to, with people who have been there. Right. You know? And so I went searching. I was like, I have to talk to somebody about this. Because mm-hmm. like after this happened, the like the immediate time that after they came out to me, I tried my best to like, I was like, okay, like this is obviously a very, very painful thing that they are going through right now. They were terrified that I was going to leave them. Mm. And I, I just wanted, I just wanted them to be okay. Yeah. You know, and I wish that I could go back in time and tell myself to say certain things and act a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I I guess I just tried to do the best I could to let them know I am here for you. We're going to figure this out. Like we'll figure something out. So we knew like 
you kind of can't help but think about it. You know, if you want to physically, like medically transition, most likely it is going to affect your fertility. We already knew that there were some issues because I should also be has type one diabetes and they've Mm -hmm. had it since they were four years old. Okay. They've had a lot of medical issues over the years that have to do with their diabetes. And we just kind of, you know, we knew that there was going to be some sort of intervention that was going to have to happen. We just didn't know what, so, but the baby thing, (laughs) wanting a baby, like we, we just, we had to put a pin in that for now and just like, be like, okay, let's, let's just kind of focus on, on you being okay and figuring out what you need and figuring out what we need to do. Right. So, but in that first like whole week after they came out to me, it was, it was pretty dark. They had Mm -hmm. a lot of shame. They were really scared Mm -hmm. about what was going to happen with us in our future. Like it's, it's a pretty scary thing. And yeah. So I went looking, I was like, I have to talk to somebody about this. I have to, I have to, mm-hmm. but Where I do like, you look? <laughs> oh my God, the, the internet, I guess. Yeah, you're right. But <laughs> like, like, that's what? all I could do. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I could find was this like small support group locally, but it was like, it was called something like straight spouses or something. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. even. Like it was mostly in their partners who would like, you know, like nobody, like there was only one other person whose partner was trans in that group. Mm-hmm. And so I'll never, I'll never forget this. And I still, you know, kind of am in touch with her to this day. She's, she was so amazing, like exactly what I needed in that moment. And so mm-hmm. like, I was freaking out about things and crying and, and she called me. And even though she was like going through her own thing, <laughs> Like she was really just, and I, I never forget what she said. She was just like, everything's not going to be how you thought it was going to be. Everything is going to be different from now on, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to be okay. And B is going to be okay. No matter what happens, you both are going to be okay. And I was like, I don't like, I was like, okay. Yes. <laughs> that right, must have made you right. feel at least comforted. Like I knew the thing that we needed to do. I don't want them to turn this to turn into a, me just talking about, you know, <laughs> the whole, you know, that kind of experience, no, but it does course, have to do with a our, huge part of your story. Yeah. So, so yeah, the biggest thing to do is to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. I was like, we have to find you a therapist, you know, a gender therapist that is, you know, th- this is what, you know, their specialty is. And mm-hmm. so they did, they found a therapist. And as soon as they started going to the therapist, it started to get better. Yeah. Just starting to figure everything out and like, okay, now here's a path. Here's, here's what, you know, here's what I need to do to be okay. Kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a partnership, I remember one of the first things, like I, there was like a few little resources out there, but not many, but one of the first ones was if you are in a relationship with someone who is going through, who is transitioning, you have to go through it together you know, mm-hmm. like, like it is their journey, you know, it's their, you know, story, but if you are not on the same page and you're not going th- through this together, like, it's just, it's not going to work. And it right. was so, it was scary looking up like statistics of like couples that like didn't make actually, it. Actually. Yeah. Like yeah. it terrified me because like I, it started to seem a lot less scary to me, everything when I was like, it's so hard to explain too, because your biggest fears are like, so is this the person I fell in love with or, or like, are they someone that I don't know? Like, that's right. always your biggest fear. Like, are they going to change? Mm-hmm. Are they going to like be a different person? Like I fell in love with this person. Right. But when I started to realize like, n- like this is B, this is who B has always been. They're uh-huh. just more like... <laughs> they're just able to actually, you know, be happy now and live, you know, the, the way that they were meant to. And right. um, it's going to take some figuring out to figure out what exactly what that is. But like, this is still B, this is still the person you fell in love with, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like, w- when that kind of realization kind of hit me, I was just like, yeah, it's, we are in this together. Right. You know? Like it's, it's not going to be easy. There's a lot of very difficult things about, you know, the journey and everything, but 
but we're not falling out of love with each other. You know what I mean? Like we, like that was never the thing. Uh Um, and it's so weird. You always have like these, like people are like, they have this kind of weird (laughs) curiosity about, you know, trans people and their relationships. And like, so Mm -hmm. I had like people, people like not even close to me too, that were like, so are you staying married? Mm. And I was like, first of all, what makes you think it okay for like to, to ask actually that. ask me that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. For state, like I, I still love B. B is right. my soulmate, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, once, once you had the therapist starting to figure things out, B was like, okay, I need to freeze my sperm. Okay. If we are going to have a child in the future and I am going to like, you know, medically transition, go on HRT, I need to freeze my sperm. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, like, because once they knew that they needed to be on HRT, like they needed it. Okay. Like, so that's, they, is that hormone replacement therapy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And there's like different versions of it and, mm-hmm. you know, different, you know, levels of it and whatever. Mm-hmm. But so like before we do any of that, we need right. to freeze sperm so that we have a chance to have a child when we're ready. Right. So, so how long after B came out, did that conversation happen? pretty soon. Oh, wow. Okay. Because yeah, once it's like once, <laughs> once they decide, yeah, once they decide and once right. they're out and like, it's, it kind of snowballs. They're like, yeah, okay, I, know what I, I understand need. that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know what I need and I, I need it. I need to get right. it. Yeah. Completely. Um, you have to be who yeah. you are. Yeah. And so we kind of just found this random clinic that, you know, I guess B just kind of found them by, you know, they were just kind of advertising that they can do fertility preservation for, you know, trans people. And so they went and was that, did you say it was local or did they have to travel far? Yeah, it was, it was in Raleigh. That's Um, wonderful that you found something nearby. So, okay. So we did that. (laughs) We didn't just do it. Unfortunately, we go in there, B's ready to freeze their sperm. And then they get a call (laughs) and the doctor is basically saying that the quality and the count of the sperm isn't even good enough to freeze. Mm. And it was like, okay, (laughs) yeah, not only is that bad news within itself, but, you know, like they were saying, you know, you, you have to take at least six months to try to improve uh, quality right before it's even good enough to freeze. And mm-hmm. so that was, it's like two devastating things on top of each other. Like it's completely bad news, yeah, bad news of being bad quality. And then also the bad news of having to put off HRT completely months. like, right. And that's a very long time. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, it was kind of like when all this was happening, that B was suddenly realizing okay, this, this actually is something that I really want, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they explained it to me as before they knew this about themselves, like before they knew what was going on, it was really hard for them to vision a future. And everything about having a child is future, you know? Mm-hmm. Like right. you are responsible for a human life. You know, you are raising this person You are th- for the rest of your life. And they just describe it as when they couldn't see a future for themselves, they couldn't see a future having a child. And as soon as they saw a future, as soon as they saw like some hope and some future, they were like, okay, I want this. Yes. <laughs> this is something that I want. Right. And I, I guess coupled with the reality of, oh, it's not going to be that easy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of makes you realize like reality hitting, you know, like that this is definitely like, okay, we, we want this. And we had this kind of moment, like, okay. (laughs) Like the, the doctor basically said to be on the phone, you know, if you want to start HRT now, there are sperm donors, there's adoption, there's Mm -hmm. all this other thing. And he's like, no, like, (laughs) like, no, like I want to have a biological child, Mm -hmm. which is also completely valid. Um, Right. So they took six months. They were like wow. super vigilant about their blood sugar, you know, supplements wow. being healthy. And six months later, it was good enough to freeze. Wow. That's great. 
Yeah. So, and just talking about the, you know, the psychological benefits of having something to look forward to was probably a boost in just in general for both of you. Right. Cause it's so hard going through what you had gone through, I would imagine. And all the transitioning and, you know, emotional transitioning. Yeah, exactly. And like, when we found out that we had sperm to freeze, it was like, okay, we felt kind of safe in that moment. And I, we had four vials of sperm, which, uh, technically just means, you know, four, four retrievals. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and back then I'm like, Oh, four, (laughs) that's more than enough. We can do that. And I just want to like, Oh, (laughs) I just want to go back in time and be like, Oh my God. No, just do it one more time. But I didn't know, you know, like I didn't know that IVF is just such a gamble and right all about the numbers. And I didn't know how I was going to, you know, respond to anything at the time. So, and like all of the women in my family get pregnant super easily, like it's never a problem. So I was like, eh, it's not going to be a problem. Like we're just going to do IVF and it's going to work. And right. So tell me, um, speaking of family, what did your family think of everything that was going on? Oh, yeah. So it actually, like after B came out to me, it actually took a good solid year before they were actually out to, you know, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we, we did this in like kind of slow phases where like the very first people that B came out to were like a couple of our close friends that lived in Portland at the time. And then beyond that, it was, it, you know, was more close friends than like, I was, I was worried. I'm going to be honest. I was worried about my family because my parents are conservative and they mm-hmm. don't know anything about, you know, <laughs> this yeah. kind of thing. And so I was really like, I know that they love B and I didn't think they were going to like shun us or anything, but I was, mm-hmm. was kind of worried. Yeah. Turns out like they were, they've been great. They're very supportive and Mm -hmm. very open to learning. And so that's always meant a lot to me. That's Um, wonderful. It does take learning, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it takes learning and takes practice for like, if this is just not something you're familiar with, but you know, I, if, if you love the person, if this person means something to you, then, then you will find a way, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, at the time when all this was going on, nobody really knew, you know, like I was just saying, like, I, I did tell my parents something about, you know, that we are going to have to do IVF, but they just thought it had something to do with these diabetes. They didn't know that, like, which it kind of did. So you froze the sperm. Let's get into what happened once you yeah. guys really started, like the treatments and all that. We, it's, it's, it's funny. Like I look back and I'm like, why didn't we just, like, if I had known what was going to happen? I would have found a way. We would have found a way to find the money or or something to just freeze embryos and then just use them when we were ready. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. if I had known what I know now, that's what I would have done. Mm-hmm. But we were just like, okay, well, we have our sperm, so we're just gonna, you know, wait until we're ready. It was June 2018 mm-hmm. when we finally were like, okay, let's start this process. So we went to the same clinic where B's sperm was frozen. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did, they did all the tests on me, like all the blood work, you know, and the ultrasounds, look at follicles and all that. And everything looked normal. And they gave us like a really, you know, high chance of success based on all of that information. And so we were like, okay, how are we going to pay for this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was the first thing. Like, how can we even pay for this? Because like, you know, they take you back into the little financial office and you sit down at the desk and they like slide the paper over there with the numbers. And you're like, I know oh my, God. my husband called it being at like a used car dealership. Oh, it's God. like, Oh, you want the genetic testing? That's another $5,000. Oh, you want this? That's another 2000. Right? You know, he was just like, what the oh. hell? In that moment, I was like, this is impossible. We can't possibly like how, like we do not have this kind of money. We don't even have that kind of money in savings right now. Mm-hmm. Like we, our insurance doesn't cover this. Like we had great insurance at the time, but it did not touch IVF or any kind of infertility treatment, mm-hmm. like no coverage whatsoever. We ended up being denied any sort of assistance. We were going to get some help from parents, but it was still very much like, this is a lot of money. I like, it was very much up in the air. Mm-hmm. And so, and my, 
the clinic was like, okay, let's get started. I'm like, well, I, I literally can't give you the money. So, you know, let's just wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of weird at, at the moment. It almost seemed like, you know, a miracle, like magic. B's job at the time, they got this unexpected, huge bonus. Mm-hmm. And that plus the help we were getting from parents was our first round paid for. Wow. Okay. Which was uh, like, we were incredibly lucky to be able to do that. It, it really was just pure luck. I think that that happened on time. Mm-hmm. So, and I was all at the time, this was, you know, December, 2018. I was like, I don't want to go through the holidays going through this. I just want to enjoy Christmas. Right. And- <laughs> like you have the luxury of choosing exactly right? when anything's going to happen in this yeah. in, in fertility. Yeah. And oh, how I old learned. were you at this point, Lindsay? Um, let's see, that was three years ago. So um, I was almost 35. Okay. By this time. So I was like, um, and my and the the doctor our Ari at the time was telling us, you know, she didn't really think testing or anything that was necessary until you're like 38 and, and up. So I was like, oh, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> so we put it off doing it until after Christmas. And once uh it's once everything once the new year came and we were like starting to get into it again. And we like started, I went in there for my baseline for our very first cycle and I had a cyst. And so they're like, Oh, let's put you on uh, birth control and see if it goes away. And eventually it did, but it wasn't until the end of March that we were actually able to start the cycles, March, 2019. Mm -hmm. And so I was all, we were both kind of going into this, like not even thinking about any kind of, you know, issues. We were just like, okay, we're finally doing IVF. We're going to have a baby. And I went in for my first monitoring. It was on April 1st, Fool's, April Fool's Day. I'll mm-hmm. never forget this. <laughs> I went in for my first monitoring and my doctor is just like, I am not seeing a response. And I was like, what do you mean? You're not seeing a response. She's like, yeah, your follicles are just not responding to medication. And I was on guess kind of, I was on their max dose and I'm like, well, what does that mean? And she's like, Oh, you know, we're, we're just, I have to cancel, you, you know, we just, we have to cancel and we're going to have to try again with something different. Oh, and she couldn't even rush. Yeah, she couldn't even really, like, I didn't really get any kind of answers. Like, why is this happening? Like, what does this mean for, you know, our entire, you know, trying this going forward? Like, right. uh, um, she didn't tell me really, it was just that I'm not responding and we're going to try something new. Mm-hmm. And so, oh my God, it was, I was like, okay. Yeah. It was just all of a sudden devastating me. moments. Right. Cause then you're like, like, what is next? Yeah. Like it was like, okay, this is not going to be easy. Right. Like this is not just going to be, we do IVF and we have a baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> so after that, they put me on this protocol that was it, you know, it's so funny. Like I learned this now, like if you, so many clinics will, if you turn out to be a quote, poor responder, Mm -hmm. they will immediately slap you with this super aggressive protocol Mm -hmm. and just like super high doses. And like, I, I was on everything like dexamethasone, you know, just put me on the human growth hormone thing, Mm -hmm. just like literally everything. And it was just like, we went in there and I'll never forget, like we went into baseline for that time. And she was like, so I'll be really happy if we get five eggs. And I'm like, five, mm. <laughs> what do you mean? She's like, yeah, I'm seeing five antral follicles. Mm-hmm. I was like, this was not something that was an issue a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, like my follicles were like, cut by a third and I had like and I'm like why and like I again didn't really get any kind of clear answer she's like we're gonna you know we're gonna try this aggressive protocol and I'm gonna be really happy if we get five eggs and that was just another blow like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you know this is something else and so whoo so we started this was in June I get uh late mm-hmm. May early June we started our second 
well, I call it our first cycle. It was our second attempt. <laughs> it was our first full cycle. And I went in for my first monitoring and I was just, you know, of course you get that PTSD when you walk into the clinic doors, like totally that your heart starts beating. You're like, Oh, I'm going to hear bad news. Right. Um, and so, uh, go to the first monitoring and my, she's like, okay, I'm at least seeing a response this time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, at least, <laughs> but my five follicles were now three, like two of them had just disappeared and there were uh-huh. only three now. And like, they were, they were all three responding, but like unevenly. So she's like, we'll just keep you on. We'll just keep going and we'll see what happens. And so I, by the time we finally made it to trigger, she was just, she, I mean, she was honest with us. She was like, we might not get anything. We might get one. We might get three. Mm-hmm. Let's hope for three. And, uh, and like, this was our very first retrieval. And I, I wanted, like, I was in all the IVF groups at this point, you know, on Facebook and all that. And mm-hmm. so like, you see all of these people going in with like 20 eggs and I was like hoping for three and it just felt so, I just felt like, what the fuck is wrong with my body? You know, yes. like, why can't I do this? And it's so hard <laughs> to not compare yourself and the numbers. Oh my God. Everybody else's yeah. numbers. Yeah. You know, I say like, you know, when you're going through infertility and you have you have pregnancy envy and baby envy. And I had now had egg envy. Totally. <laughs> so yeah, we went into our first retrieval. I was, we, I was scared, but I was, I was hopeful. I was like, we're going to get three eggs and it only takes one and you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was my, like, I, I don't know. I was very naive. Um, <laughs> so you wake up like before I even opened my eyes after retrieval, mm-hmm. before I even opened my eyes, I heard one egg and it's immature. Oh God. And like, so I just, I started crying before I had even opened my eyes all the way. Aww. And me and B are just sitting there, just like kind of weeping together and holding mm-hmm. each other. And we hear like over in this next like cubicle, the nurse congratulating this woman for getting so many eggs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> loudly i know and they like they, it's, the fuck? it's so <laughs> fucked up how you can like hear what's going on in the bed next to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we have to like walk out there i'm still waking up from you know anesthesia and you know and the doctor's like we're gonna watch the egg we're gonna see if it matures overnight and um Oh my God. I completely skipped over a huge part of the story too. So I'm going to, I'm going to rewind just a little bit in April when our cycle was canceled. Mm -hmm. It was exactly one week later that B lost their job. Oh, and, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty devastating. It wasn't one of those. It wasn't just a job for B. It was like, Mm. Um, they saw themselves for, like for life at this place. And so it was, it was a pretty devastating blow. Mm-hmm. So um, while this is happening, B is unemployed. The next day we get a call that the egg has matured mm-hmm. and they're going to try to fertilize it with ICSI. And so the next day we get a call that it's fertilized and we're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. it's a miracle this is amazing. I can't believe it. One egg and it's fertilized. Mm -hmm. And, and when like the following day, like B had this interview and they were really hopeful, like it's going to be a great job. Like, and our egg is fertilized. Like, I just feel really hopeful about everything. And then while B was at this interview telling me, you know, God, this is a great job, Lindsay. Like this is going to, everything's going to be okay. And like, (laughs) I got a call that our embryo had arrested Mm. by day, like before even day three, like it had just stopped growing. uh Um, And then a couple of days later, B hears that they didn't get the job. And so, oh man, (laughs) rough times. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then we were out of money too. Like we couldn't pay for another cycle. So we're like, what do we do now? We're out of money. B's unemployed. Like, what, what are we going to do? And so we had heard just from being involved in the community that Starbucks has, you know, pretty great coverage uh-huh. for infertility treatment. And so B got a job at Starbucks. Uh-huh. Um, 
but you know, we can, you unfortunately can't just start right away. Like, um, you, it takes like the benefits. four or five you, months. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had like a four or five month wait before we could try mm-hmm. again. And I remember when I, you know, you have that meeting with your doctor after, after a failed cycle and, you know, talking about what you can do differently. And she was literally saying, I can't, this is all that I can do. Mm. We just have to hope that next cycle is better, that it's just a better batch of eggs and that you just respond better. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, I wish that I had just been like, no, like there's gotta be something else. Like I see people right. in my group that are like trying all these different, different things protocols and, having, and different yeah. combinations and yeah. And, but she just said, I'm, I'm throwing all of the tools in the tool- toolbox at you. And, you know, now I look back and I'm like, you don't have to throw all of the tools at me. You can rearrange them and mm-hmm. take some away and use exactly. others. But like, but that's what we were just going to do the same protocol again. And I wish I had known better, but I didn't know any better. And right. um, so December, 2019, we could finally, finally <laughs> try again. When we finally made it to this retrieval, we had like five somewhat like some really mature follicles, some kind of mature follicles. And I did feel more hopeful this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So did my doctor. She was like, I feel hopeful today. And this time when I woke up, we had two eggs. They told us we were going to do a fresh transfer and they told us, so we're going to call you the morning of and let you know if if we can actually do a transfer mm-hmm. and like that fucking weight is just the absolute worst. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's like, you have no idea, not just how many, cause we knew there was only one, but we, right. we just had no idea if the transfer was even happening. Uh-huh. Um, right. And so we're like, we get up that morning. Like we didn't sleep that night. we like, we just, we slept on the couch, like in our, with our Christmas trees, lights blinking, you know, uh-huh. like I remember that. And then the next morning we get up and I'm like, I haven't heard anything. What is going on? Like, we have to leave right now or else like, <laughs> right. Like, should we just go even though we haven't heard anything? And B's like, yep, let's just, let's just go. Right. So we Hope got for the, the best. <laughs> as soon as I shut the door, I got a message in my portal that said, your embryo is a beautiful blastocyst. Please show oh. up with a full bladder. And I just burst into tears. Of course. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's actually happening. Like we yes. fucking made it to a transfer. Like it felt so impossible for that point to actually make it to a transfer. Yeah. But so like we, it was a Sunday, we drove to the clinic. Like it, it looked like they had just opened for us, you know, for our little embryo. <laughs> and we go in there, you know, like bees putting on all the, you know, the stuff that they make you wear, hairnet and everything. And like, the embryologist comes in there and shows us a picture and she's like, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh my God, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's hatching, you know, and like, right. and the whole, like, it was just, it just felt so magical and perfect. Mm-hmm. That was like, we made it. We have our transfer. Like <laughs> we finally made it here. And like, we go home and like, and it's Christmas too. So we're like, oh, it's Christmas miracle. Yeah. Like it's all happening. <laughs> And so, I don't know, we felt like really positive and at the same, like I had a friend, one of my best friends, um, at the same time, she was, she was not going through infertility treatment, but trying to get pregnant. And so we were kind of both hoping that we were actually going to be pregnant at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she got a positive pregnancy test and that was like, oh my God, yay. And then I got a positive beta. Mm -hmm. We were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it, but it was weird though. We never like me and B never had this, like, oh my God, we're pregnant. You know, it was very cautious Mm -hmm. from the beginning. We were like, okay, all right. Like we're actually pregnant. Let's hopefully everything will be okay. Right. You know? And I just, you know, after everything, like, I just know, like, we're just, we're never going to have that you know, explosive, happy, crying completely about being pregnant, you know, right. like it's just yeah. not going to happen. Right. Um, exactly. But, uh, so we were pregnant, betas were rising, everything's looking good. And, you know, and, you know, I was, 
me and my best friend are like a week and a half apart. You know, one of my mm-hmm. best friends, we're like a week and a half apart. And, you know, it's so magical and our babies are going to be the same age. We're going to be able to go through this together. It's, everything's awesome. <laughs> and uh, we go in for our first ultrasound at seven weeks. And I, mean, I saw it right away. The little flicker. Mm. you know, And we heard the heartbeat. Everything looked great. Everything looked perfect. And, uh, we graduated then at seven weeks, we graduated from our fertility clinic. Okay. Um, it seemed early to me. I was going to say that seems early. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I was like, okay, like, you know, they say we're good to go. So, you know, we're good to go. And so we had, you know, those, we had a few weeks of being, you know, cautiously excited Mm -hmm. and I don't, I hate that now. I hate cautiously optimistic. I hate that phrase Yeah, and I'll get, I'll get into why I hate it later. But like we were, we were cautious. We mm-hmm. allowed ourselves to look at baby stuff in target one time mm-hmm. and it was a great little one time. <laughs> so did I you guys tell OBG. people? We told my parents, um, we told our parents, you know, close family. And we told, um, like I told my best friend yeah. here and I yeah. told, you know, my, you know, my other friend who was also pregnant at the time. Um, so like close friends and close family who knew what we had been going through, mm-hmm. knew that we were going through IVF. Um, we told them, mm-hmm. but, uh, we didn't like make any kind of like announcement or anything. Yeah. Um, like, you know, on Facebook, you see little, you know, announcement. Right. yeah, that we were just going to wait. So I, I went to my OBGYN for the first time and all they did was kind of like do some labs and, you know, they give you a little pamphlet and everything. And then I was going to go back at 10 weeks for like my first official OBGYN appointment. And so, uh, (laughs) leading up to that moment, I was like, I was looking on YouTube of like what 10 week ultrasounds look like. I wanted to know like how big the baby was going to be, like if the baby was going to be moving and, you know, like if I was going to be able to see it move, like all this stuff, like I want, like I was looking, like I knew what it was supposed to look like. And I was so like, I was, I had this, (laughs) I had this dream that I, at, at one point I just had this dream that, and it sounds funny cause it's just a dream thing, but I was playing the piano mm-hmm. and I had to like, while I was playing the piano, I had to find the right spot to find the baby's heartbeat. Mm. <laughs> and so, and I was playing all over the piano, trying to find the baby's heartbeat and I couldn't find it. Interesting. And, and I woke up and um, I just, I guess I just kind of forgot about it. So we went into they, they took us into the office first and like, you know, talking about all the, you know, new pregnancy things mm-hmm. for like half an hour before we actually did the ultrasound. Yeah. And the whole time I'm just like, oh my God, can we just go in there? Can we just do the ultrasound? I know. Please? Yeah. It's all you want to do is like make sure everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. And so we finally get in there. And as soon as it showed up on the screen, like I knew, you know, like it was bigger, but it wasn't. It didn't look how I had looked, I had mm-hmm. seen all the 10 week ultrasounds. I was like, it's I, like, I knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course they're silent for the painfully long amount of time before they actually say anything. Right. Even though I knew before she said that she couldn't, that there was no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, it looks like it stopped growing at about eight and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> they just, they let us have a moment, you know, and they go outside. And just as soon as they stepped outside, I just like <laughs> burst into sobs. Like yeah. um, me and B both just kind of just kind of held each other and cried mm-hmm. and just cried and cried. Another one of those bombs, you know, that gets drops on, dropped on you. Um, yeah. And so, and then they take you back into the office and they're like, you know, okay. <laughs> You know, at this point, you know, with it this far along, I, you know, I recommend that you get a DNC. And I, my best friend had gone through a loss, a first trimester loss. And she had told me this just nightmare stories of, you know, miscarrying at home and recalling her stories. I was like, and I just wanted it to be over. So I was like, okay, yeah, fine. We'll just do a DNC. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, like the next day, like it happened so fast. The next day I had my DNC 
Oh God, and I'm so sorry. All of, sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, I wasn't pregnant anymore. This right. was, and it was February fifth, twenty twenty. So it was right before, right before all this COVID crap started happening. <laughs> right, right. By the time we found a clinic, and by the time like my body had regulated, we knew we were going to get started again. COVID hit, and uh, all the clinics started closing. I go in for my baseline in June. And I have this huge cyst. I kept going back. It wasn't going away. My estrogen wasn't going down. Like it, it hung around for months. Like Mm -hmm. it would not go away. I kept having these baselines and I kept, you know, our cycle kept being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And finally they were like, okay, we're going to just, you know, give you a shot of cetratide and, um, and see if that brings your estrogen down. Like they, they weren't waiting for the cyst to go away. They just wanted my estrogen to go down. Mm-hmm. And so I took the cetratide. I went back in and my estrogen had gone down a little bit. It yeah. was still elevated for me, but it had gone down below what they wanted it to. So they were like, okay, let's start. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust my doctor and we're going to start. And so they had me on like, oh, it was double the amount of FSH I had been on in the past. It was a super, super high dose. And it was doing it twice a day. And I go in for my first monitoring appointment. And I just, I'd see on the ultrasound screen right away, my cyst had just gotten huge. Mm. Like, like a, it looked like a tennis ball on the screen. I was mm-hmm. like, what is going on? And like my other follicles just weren't responding. Mm-hmm. So my, I guess the cyst was just soaking up all of the stimulation meds and mm-hmm. uh, my other follicles were just not responding. And so guess what? I got canceled. Oh my um, gosh. And that was, that was a pretty low point because I was talking to my doctor on the phone and he was telling me that he was canceling me. And I was like, well, what do we do from here? And he was like, well, Lindsay two eggs at your age. He just, he was like, that's not good. He's like, I gotta be honest. I feel like you're always going to struggle to make it to retrieval. You're always going to struggle to like get any kind of response. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what do we do? He's like, you're just a poor responder. Mm. All we can do is try again and hope for better. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. I, I couldn't accept it. Yeah. And I didn't that's a hard feel like, pill to swallow. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like that I was just being in denial. I had this gut feeling that there was just something else that I needed to try that was just not being offered to me. And so after that, of course, I immediately do my thing and have to have to find out what I'm doing next and like immediately go into like research mode and like talking to my peers of you know other, you know, poor responders and low AMH, mm-hmm. like what worked for anybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just I just kept seeing many IVF pop up. Mm-hmm. Like I just kept seeing that. And I was like, okay, I can't remember exactly how I found her, but my my current doctor was doing these Instagram lives Mm -hmm. and I can't remember how I came across it, but she was doing Instagram lives about, you know, diminished ovarian reserve and mild IVF and why it's best. And, you know, just why she believes it's best. And, and I was watching that and I was like, Oh, that's my doctor. Uh (laughs) Who is it? It's Dr. Luke at generation next. And so I had a consultation with Dr. Luke, she told me she wanted to try mild IVF. Just this was like just complete opposite of what I had been told when I woke up this time. Like usually in the past, when I would wake up from retrieval, they would tell me right away how many eggs. Mm-hmm. But they just they just helped me to the little recovery area, and like B wasn't allowed back there with me this time, so I was by myself, and I was like, why haven't they told me? Why haven't they told me how many right. eggs? I'm like, God, it's bad news. I know it's bad news. And like, and um, and finally, uh, the doctor, Dr. Naja, he's he was the one that did my retrievals. He comes up to me and um he says, uh, did they tell you how many eggs? I was like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, We got five. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've never had I just I started crying. I was like, I've never had that many before. Mm-hmm. 
like it was just this and you know you look back like I look back at other people that have so many eggs and like they say things like oh we only got 10 eggs and like for me like I was crying over five but, like, right I, I, I never yeah, it puts knew it in that, perspective you know? everybody's so different yeah but yeah I had always been told by these other doctors you know like but like on this for some reason like this is just the thing that my body needed to respond mm-hmm. like and like the whole time just evenly growing you know like didn't lose anything and so that was a good day and so we we find out driving home back to North Carolina um the next day that four eggs fertilized mm-hmm. four out of five fertilized so that was wow. amazing news yeah super excited and then the next day we find out, not the next day, I guess on day three, we find out that we still have three embryos, mm-hmm. three on day three. And I was like, oh my God, like, we're actually going to have more than one embryo this time. Like, oh mm-hmm. my God, it's going to like, I can't believe it. Like, what is that going to be like? But day six comes around, we get, I get the email and we have one. Mm. Okay. Okay it's good quality and it's hatching, but you know, again, and I'm like, Oh my God, two eggs got us one embryo, five eggs got, got us one embryo. And I'm just like, and of course all these things are running through my head. Should have we, should we frozen on day three? Should we done a day three fresh transfer? Like, Oh my God, like all this stuff that we should have done. But I was like, okay, we have one. And the, the plan was, Like after talking with our doctor and being like, you know, you have one embryo Mm -hmm. because of your age, you know, like I'm 37, Mm -hmm. let's just do another retrieval and just try to have, you know, we're going to bank some embryos so that, you know, should something happen, we will have something. And, and it, you always hear like doctors, you know, when they ask you like, how many kids do you want? How do you see your future and everything? And like I used to want three mm-hmm. and then going into this journey more, I'm like, okay, well, two will be, you know, maybe we can have two kids. And now I'm just like, we're going to be so lucky to just have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't even get the choice anymore. Um, right. So that was the plan was to just try to paint more embryos, mm-hmm. but our insurance would not cover another IVF cycle if we had any embryos frozen Mm -hmm. and we had one. So we had to do another transfer. Gotcha. Like we had no choice. And I was still pretty salty about that. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, it's, it's so frustrating have like insurance or money being the barrier between what is the best thing that you need to do, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, I know. So we, like, okay. Um, they told us we could try to, um, appeal. And so we did, we appealed, but it was denied again. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just do the transfer. This could be it, you know? And I, I had like, B was super cautious from the beginning. B was just kind of like, they wouldn't really like I, I tried to like hang on to hope a lot. Like whenever I was feeling hopeful, I was like, you know, I'm going to take advantage of any kind of hope that, you know, springs forward. But like mm-hmm. B was just like, I just can't allow myself to, you know, feel anything of like the reason why I hate like that um, phrase uh, cautiously optimistic is because it doesn't matter how cautious I am. It doesn't matter how much I guard my heart or any of that. Like, it's going to be devastating no matter what. It's not yeah. going to make any of it easier. Right. Just because I'm cautious, you know? So yeah. if I'm feeling hopeful, I'm going to let myself feel hopeful, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, I was, I was feeling kind of hopeful, but, you know, I kept having these days and these moments where I'm just like, I just have a feeling we're going to have to do one more. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling we're going to have to do our last cycle. We had one vial of sperm left. And I was mm-hmm. like, I just, I feel like it's, that's just going to happen. But we did our transfer. Everything went really well. Lining perfect. 
embryos beautiful and hatching almost completely hatched by the time we, you know, did our transfer, everything was great. And when our beta came around, it was low at 41. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was like, you're pregnant, but mm-hmm. we need to, you know, just, we need to just see if it doubles because it right. can go either way. And immediately yeah. I'm like looking up success stories of low betas and I'm like yeah. finding all of these stories where it doubles and everything ends, it doubles and triples and everything ends up being amazing. And they have a healthy baby now. And like, but right. for just as many of those stories, I saw, you know, where it ended up being a chemical pregnancy. And so I was like, like it, it was 50, 50, it could literally go either way. Mm-hmm. And, and we just kind of had a feeling you know, like I, I wanted yeah. to stay hopeful, but like, and I had taken a pregnancy test at home then. And I was like, well, let's see if the line gets darker. And then the next day it was a little bit darker, but then the next day it was a little lighter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah. And I, I got my beta. It had only gone up to like 43. Right. And they were like, well, let's just do one more because just sometimes they're lab errors or sometimes you just don't know. And like, right. I, just, I knew, I knew. And so the next beta we did was 17 and that was that. And that mm-hmm. was, that was last week, I think. Right. Yeah. This is the most recent. So, so yeah, this literally just happened. Oh my um, gosh. So, it, you know, we finally heard like, it's a chemical pregnancy mm-hmm. and which is, you know, a very early miscarriage. And so I barely had time to process that we were like, we barely had time to process that we were pregnant before right. we weren't anymore. And so now it's just, okay, we're waiting for my system to regulate and um, we want to be able to do a cycle as soon as possible, but it's, it is our last cycle because yeah. it is our last file of sperm. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it just kind of felt like, like all along, it was just this weird feeling. Like I n- knew it was going to come down to this like final boss battle, <laughs> you know, like we were never going to have any kind of like safety net. It was always going totally. to to this, you know. Always hanging on by like the skin of your teeth. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Did you like throughout any of this, did you ever feel any sort of, and hopefully not, hopefully you say no, but just out of curiosity, any sort of like discrimination with your situation with B or transgender coming into play at all? Um, like- actually, yeah. Thank you for saying that because sometimes I forget, like this is just life for me. So sometimes I forget that we're not, that we're kind of a unicorn couple in yeah. this situation. <laughs> I wouldn't say like flat out discrimination, but definitely, and this is, you know, misgendering is definitely, you know, like unintentional too by a lot of time, but it it happens. It's been Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. where B will get misgendered or they just don't remember. And, you Mm -hmm. know, they'll say Mr. or husband and then, uh, you know, like, and so that, that definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, it has happened. But not at Generation Next, I will say. Mm-hmm. From the very, very beginning of our consultation, they asked both of our pronouns. Yeah, and, that's great. Um, like anytime in the office, like somebody was like meeting us for the first time, they were like, and, and what are your spouse's pronouns? And, mm-hmm. and, and how, you know, and we were even asked like in our a, appeal letter that we were writing to, you know, insurance that, you know, they wanted to know, you know, what, what we preferred for, uh, you know, like Mr. and Mrs. or mix MX for mm-hmm. is a gender neutral. Um, mm-hmm. so that was nice, but I definitely, it's definitely felt because infertility is lonely by itself. Right. But sometimes our situation feels a little lonely within infertility because yeah. I, I literally, I know that they're out there. You know, I know that there are other couples like us out there, right. but I've, I've never met anyone. Yeah. Are you open to people that might be listening to this to reach out to you? Oh, absolutely. I would like tell everyone where they can find you. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I have, I have an Instagram, which I'm very open on. Mm -hmm. It's, um, Lindsay.Halliday, Lindsay with an E. That's my Instagram. Um, yeah, I have, we don't know any other couples like us that are going through this. Um, 
we feel, like I said, like unicorns, yeah. <laughs> um, like this. And I, like I said, I, I, I know that they're out there, but we, yeah, yeah, we have yet to, I mean, I mean, we know other people, you know, we know other couples where, you know, one is, you know, trans or, um, we know other LGBTQ couples and all that, but, you know, not that is specifically going through this like infertility thing. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have anyone, you know, we don't have any point of reference or, you know, anybody to confide in or who knows, you know, what about what we're going through. So there's, there's this kind of like added on top of all of the devastation that is infertility and loss, you know, just a tiny bit more lonely because we feel like, you know, I guess Mm -hmm. just a little like different, you know? All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will continue to root for Lindsay and B as they continue their family building journey, wishing nothing but the best for both of them. And Lindsay, thank you again for being so honest and sharing your story. I also wanted to remind you guys that if you're looking for support, please check out Fertility Rally, which is my other business co-founded with Blair of Fab Fertility. We have created a community. There's events, there's content. We have weekly support groups for both infertility and also for pregnancy and motherhood after infertility. So two groups a week, it's $19.99 a month, which is a crazy bargain for everything that you're getting out of this. So we really hope that you check it out. You know, we truly consider our more than 300 members family. We've gotten so close with everybody. Everybody's at different phases, but everybody's really there to help each other out. So if you are struggling or you know somebody who is, definitely check out fertilityrally.com or check out our Instagram at fertilityrally. All right, guys, talk to you next time. Thanks.